Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you are. I hope this podcast finds you happy and healthy. Welcome to episode 13 of Stemming from Africa. My name is Cynthia Waleula. So this week has been long. I've been unwell. And so it's it's just been a difficult week. So I'm going to keep the intro short, not as long as the last one, and just get straight to the point. So first of all, thank you so much for everybody who's been listening. If you're an old listener, thank you so much. If you're a new listener, welcome. I love to have you here. I hope you've listened to the other episodes and if you'd like to be featured you can always contact me by the contact form which brings me to thank you so much to everybody who's filled in the contact form i'm so excited to see so many people come on and be ready to talk about their stories and just share their work so that's exciting so if if you haven't filled in the form again plugging it in here I always link it in the description. You can fill it in. You can also forward it to somebody who you think might be interested or who you think would be a good um, person for the podcast. I love to have a lot of different people. So heading on straight to this week's highlight. I actually don't have a highlight. (laughs) No, I do. I do. So I think I use the highlights as like a personal for you to get some personal insight into my life. And yeah, so that's what doing today. So one of the things I've struggled with as an adult is making friends. All my friends, my close friends are people I've known from teenagehood and like high school. And and so making friends as an adult has been difficult. I'm friendly, very friendly, but I tend to be very cautious about who I let within my closer circle but i've been wanting to connect with people more and deepen some of the friendships i have because some of the people that have been meeting over the past couple of years have been people that i i just think are so interesting and so genuine and i really enjoy their company so my highlight of the week is i actually got to do that with two of my friends this week and we went to high tea because you know we're 30 <laughs> i don't know i don't actually know if it's because we're 30 you know um, but yeah, we did go for tea this week and it was in the middle of the week when I was feeling very, very crappy, but that really helped like leaving the house and dressing up a bit and going out to tea. And I had so much cake. I have a sweet tooth. So any place where there is confectionery is like literally child in a candy store. That's me. So I really, really enjoyed that. I don't think I have any more highlights of the week. That was it, mostly because I spent a big chunk of the week at home, not feeling the best, but I'm feeling much better. My thoughts for the week revolve around leadership and elections. And I think that will be a recurring theme because this is an election year in Kenya. And election years make me angry. (laughs) I'm laughing because if I don't laugh, I'll cry. But I just find it so frustrating because it always feels like we are just recycling bad leaders. And so I always think about healthcare for me because I work in healthcare and I think it's such a primary thing. So I've been avoiding the news, but I'm starting to actually look at the people who are vying for seats and listening to what they have to say for healthcare. Like I said last week, I am quite jaded. 
when it comes to elections in Kenya and not just not actually elections leadership um and i i i am a bit cynical in terms of what effect they have and what work they actually do but i'm still an optimist and so i'm still going to vote and i'm still going to look for good leaders i haven't found one so far if i find one i'll share that but yeah that's what i've been thinking about this week uh, so like i said not gonna make this intro too long this week's guest is dr nyamute she is somebody i've known from med school she's a psychiatrist and again i know you guys get tired of this but very inspirational love the job she's doing i spoke to her about um her work and her thoughts on mental health care in kenya and her experiences i think it's really important also to say that in this episode we talk a lot in kiswahili so if you're not because i know i have listeners from other countries that don't speak swahili uh I'm sorry but also also this is a chance to learn. So the biggest thing I think here is doctorary. So you'll hear doctorary a lot that just means doctor. Um and most of the other things you can infer. They're not they're not difficult to to infer but yeah, you know, welcome to Kiswahili if you've never heard it. Uh so yeah, I think I will leave it at that and let you listen to the episode and see you on the other side. So my name is Dr. Linda Nyamute. I'm a consultant psychiatrist by profession. I work primarily at Isiolo County Teaching and Referral Hospital which is yeah in Isiolo County as the name suggests. And yes, I'm very passionate about mental health, particularly working with young people, young adults, adolescents, um and also guys with substance use disorders. Yes. mostly. Um yeah, and I love the mental health space. I love my work. I love mental health. <laughs> yes, basically. I did my internship in Isiolo. <laughs> How are you liking Isiolo? It's nice. It's um the weather gets very fluctuating though, but um in terms of in terms of work, it's it's good. It's good. I have no complaints so far. May I be challenging the cases which you get uh, quite challenging um and you feel like your hands are a bit tied because of limited resources but other than that i mean it opens your mind to a different culture it's a whole different experience i had a culture shock <laughs> to be very honest of born in nairobi lived in nairobi <laughs> schooled in nairobi schooled again in nairobi schooled again in nairobi you know so and then you go to a whole different environment where a lot of things are very different from what you've known from what you've experienced so yes it's a whole new different experience nice challenging very challenging if i may say yeah yeah i i wanted i did uh, my internship in isiolo because i wanted the change it is a culture shock especially when you've lived your whole life in nairobi mm-hmm. it's such a small town everybody knows everybody <laughs> So like when you, when you I'd, I'd go to the market and I'd find patients who I treated and they'd be like oh doctor you here take the potatoes for today so I mean that helps but it's a really small town and but I I really like the people there they're nice people they're warm people but it's obviously a culture shock and it's hot yes it's hot it's very hot, it's so hot. yes <laughs> yes 
It's super hard. It's a nice place. I'm I'm happy that there's a psychiatrist. When I did my internship, there wasn't um, any, not any. Let me see. They were bringing, they were putting up the psychiatry wing, but we didn't have any mental health services. So I'm really happy to Mm. see that they've expanded in that direction. Um, In line with that, how are you finding people responding to? having a psychiatrist and seeking mental health services, especially in a rural area? Okay. So there are two ways to this. When I walked, when I came into the facility, there was um, a mental health space that was running. Um, It was, it wasn't optimum, but it was running for for the county as it was, Um, which was now trying now to, integrate and but now bringing change to now try and bring what is now ideal practice which has been quite a big challenge because you know i think for me the biggest challenge is coming in your one you're an outsider um to your your young okay yes i'm young <laughs> to your young the whoever they were used to is much older uh way much older and then your female it's also a, a culture that's still embracing um, female leadership, female sticking up roles. It's coming up, yes, but I mean, traditionally it's been more male dominated. So, coming in, you're young, you're female, and you're a tider. It was quite, just quite a push. And um, also for you now, you're coming out from a space where it's a whole different culture, trying to understand those people. But um, slowly over slowly, they're becoming more receptive. There are days you'd even go to the hospital. Uh, it's clinic day. You're seated at the doctor's office. I mean, doctor's desk, and you want to see the patient, and they come in, and then they're like, "Oh, we were told to come today. Uh, we will see Doctor Rimkubwa." Like, okay, so what is the issue? Then they tell you, "No, we are waiting for Doctor Rimkubwa." <laughs> and they're like, "I'm done here." And they're like, "No, they told us there'll be a doctor who will come. The one who comes from Nairobi." And you're like, oh my God, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, like, um, Dr. So-and-so, um, the consultant here, da 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 Then they're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, Joe, and you're like, okay, yeah. So it's a bit of that. Um, they're a bit, but a lot of them are still, after after we get through that phase, they, they are, they're now more receptive, and now we are able to uh, follow up with the consultation now. A bit with a bit more ease. There are some events still after that will still be fine. You've given us meds, but where's the doctor? Ule the the doctor them kubwa doctor. You know, because for them a doctor should be male, older. Uh, then there's you here who's just yeah smiling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think for reference, for listeners, Doctor Nemuti is very petite. <laughs> So I, I, I see how that can be a problem. But it's true. The society there is very patriarchal. I had the same issue in my internship cohort. I was the only female. So whenever I would run clinics as the only person or I'd been clinics, they'd say, oh, that's after Dr. Chari. <laughs> and I'd say, you me. And then they're like, Mm-mm. no, 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 no. Well, the, 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 you know, the idea is a male doctor. I find that now they're, because the society is changing and also they're, they're having more 
female doctors from the communities in that area, they're becoming more accepting. It's obviously still a bit difficult. And I don't know if you've still, I don't know if you've had experiences. Well, I know you have where they call you sister and they ask for the doctor and you're like, it's me. (laughs) I'm the doctor. (laughs) All the time. I don't think there's a week that passes without me being called sister or being asked, where's the doctor? Or we've come to see the doctor and you're sitting right there your you clearly have your your clothes have been labeled clearly doctor so and so they'll still tell you sister a partner and especially for patients who it's not their first time for first time patients are a bit more i mean that face doesn't even last any long but for patients who had been using the services before and had been on follow-up for some period of time eh, no, 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 no. We want the doctor. We want that. We want the doctor, not you. We want the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... This is something that you, I guess you have to deal with. I think if you... For a lot of, of female doctors, we kind of get used yeah. to it, you know. What are the most common group of cases you're dealing with? I'm interested in, in knowing that because... You've worked in Nairobi, which is urban, and then you work in Isiolo, which is rural. Are you seeing any differences in the kinds of patients you're seeing and how people are responding to to mental health care and things like that? Okay, allow me to just break down. I've worked in Nairobi Madare Hospital. I also worked in a private facilities in private patients. Then now the rural Isiolo. So... Um, there's a very big difference in terms of the patients who come to us where I am currently in Isiolo. They are predominantly people who are quote-unquote, maybe let me, uh, let me just quote <laughs> this, uh, yeah. It's uh, the, literally a nuisance to the, fam- uh, to the family, the community, and that's why they are brought in. They have been wandering away from home. They, they don't. They don't. The family doesn't know where they have been. They have been maybe beating people, being violent, threatening, talking, shouting all night, singing all night. So it's they're literally a nuisance to the community, and that's why they're brought in for help. Um, Mathare um, is a bit similar, but a bit of mi- mixed cases, especially with the advocacy and awareness. So. Mental health is just not only psychosis. Uh, for the private sector, there's a lot of now self-referred patients. Patients who come in and say, now I may have depression, I'm battling maybe with anxiety, I have symptoms, I can't sleep too well, I don't know if it's PTSD or whatnot. But um, for this other space, it's rare. Okay, occasionally they'll come, but predominantly your patients will be the ones who have been brought in, either family, police, something, because they are and that is what now to them, someone who has depression is not disturbing the people around. So no one bothers with them, you know, when, yeah. And they don't know that they should seek help until maybe um, they, maybe they try suicide or something and then now it becomes a matter of attention. So, but mostly I would say, yeah, psychosis, drug and substance, drugs and substance. Oh my God, drugs. Wow, I think out of every 10 patients we see, nine have a drug and substance use problem. So, yeah, mostly that on that side. Yeah, I had I had the same uh, experience in when I worked in Isiolo. When we'd have 
uh, patients would come in with needing psychiatric referrals. They were mostly patients who had psychosis. Usually, I never ever got a patient who was self-referred. And even when they came into the medical uh, quote-unquote side, they were coming because, I don't know, they had a psychotic episode and then they cut themselves or they got into a fight and so they've come for some surgical debridement or something like that. But yeah, that's that's interesting. I I wonder how people take to having medications to take there. I ask because even in urban areas, like within my friend group, I have, you know, friends who are on antidepressants and, you know, things like that. And even for them, it's difficult to take medication. So mm-hmm. how do people who are less exposed take to respond to taking psychiatric medication in your experience so far? Okay, so I'd say there's a good and a bad side to that. The the good side is in the rural areas, a lot of these patients know I am sick. I've come to hospital because I'm sick. Dactarian Sema, we take two tablets three times a day. They don't even know what that medication is about. They don't care what it is about. Just that the doctor said one tablet three times a day, and that's exactly what they do. Um, so that's the good aspect to it because Dactarian Sema, Dactarian Sema, they don't, most of the time, they don't question. If you don't explain to them what is going on, they'll not question them for them at the end of the day. They've gotten the medication that they came for. The downside to it is when a patient is not well conversant with their illness or the medication that they need, and rather like their insight is poor, the family is also not like the understanding of the illness, the prognosis of the illness is not too good. They may also be um, laxity in terms of follow-up. So you find you give medication, they are to come back for a month, then they saw, oh, the patient got better. Why should we go back? You know, so they don't understand. Like, if so, in as much as we try to educate, like this is an illness that will require long-term treatment. Um, it needs recurrent, re- rather re-emphasizing over and over that please understand that you need to come back. Please understand you need to come back. Um, yes, that's usually the biggest challenge because they feel like, ah, I've gotten better. Why, why am I going back? I went because I was unwell. Now the symptoms are resolved. Uh, I'm okay. Why do they want to still have me on medication when I am okay? Yeah. But other than that, when they're given medication, they they, they, they take. Um, but for relapse patients who have had, patients who have had relapses, the families are more keen now on follow-up because they know Last time we didn't come and this happened. So now they're a bit more keen. They don't want to keep coming back um, and incur additional charges because of admissions and additional indirect costs by, you know, having to look for the for the patient when they've wandered away and they're lost somewhere. So now they're a bit more keen to come for follow-up and have the patient take their medications more regularly. Yeah. Okay, that's that's interesting. Switching gears a bit, why psychiatry? I read this book when I was looking into what I wanted to do as a doctor. I think it's called Also Human. And a big portion of the psychiatrists who had been in that book had had some experience with something in the past. And so I 
usually like I always wonder for doctors who specialize why exactly that path did you have something in your past or is it something you just loved when you went to school so yes I don't know why people like asking these questions so often but yes why psychiatry okay so mine is a very weird and funny story but when we were in third year medical school I mean as medical school is you are bound to rotate in every rotation that there is in medicine. So when we got to psychiatry, it was so interesting. I was I was the rep for that rotation. And then uh, we got to Madare. Then the lecturer said, go to this ward. Uh, you'll find someone who will take you through before I, I can come. So you can just start learning before um, they can come. So we went to the ward. Uh, we found someone, we sat down, we took notes, we took notes on bipolar, we took notes, we took so many notes. And then the nurse came and called, Wewe, ujameza dawazako? And we all sat there like, okay. And then she was like, munaskizo umtu. We were all like, oops. You know, like, we all had sat there for almost 30 minutes. <laughs> they were just looking so embarrassed, like, wow. But anyway, the good side to it, in medicine, they say, uh, your best teacher is the patient. So <laughs> we took it on that side. So that, yeah, we never talked about it. It was embarrassing. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I think within that rotation, more and more, I think I, 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 I just loved how the patients, I don't know. I don't know what it was about. Um, the patients were very interesting. Every every session, there was just something new to learn. It was a whole different dynamic of medicine. It wasn't like what you read in the book. <laughs> and then what you find on the ground are two totally different things. You know, it's be told, oh, this is a swelling that looks like this. If you press it, haha. <laughs> For psychiatry, it wasn't that. You know, like, you go, it's a whole different experience, a whole different... Nothing ever seemed straightforward. No clerkship ever seemed straightforward, you know. So it was like, okay, this is just too intriguing for me. Yeah, and, of course, the lecturers were very funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I agree with you. Um, In the space for... Uh, sometimes people go into psychiatry. We've seen a lot also with our colleagues um, who come in because uh, they have a lot of, I mean, battling something. And I think it's because also with psychiatry, mental health, we tend to be very understanding. So it's a space where, you know, you'll still be accepted regardless of, of um whether you have depression, whether you have bipolar, you, you're in a family where people understand what you're going through. And I think that's why some people who have or rather are recovering or battling uh, mental health issues come to psychiatry because of that. And also maybe to discover themselves a bit more, to understand the illness a bit more. But personally, me, I have no, I have no personal story that I can say that. Um, me, 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 me. Also wondering, so you know how as med students, whenever you'd like graduate into a new class and then you'd learn something, you'd suddenly start to have symptoms like that and diagnose yourself and analyze yourself all the time. Do psychiatrists mm. do that? Do you analyze yourself or other people around you? Often. 
Of course, as in, you know, the unfortunate <laughs> thing, the unfortunate thing with psychiatry is it's behavioral. So they definitely, in a, almost every disorder, there'll be like one symptom that you'll be like, wait, I have felt like this before. I've ever seen this before. But the good thing is it's a spectrum of symptoms. So unless you check out all the, <laughs> all the symptoms or majority of the symptoms, then you, you will not have the the the, the disorder. However, um, there are enough times I, I have been convinced myself ADHD. ADHD is very common. Actually, they say about 30% of medics have uh, ADHD. You know, you do one thing and then you're like, ooh, something else interesting. And like, ooh, something else. You know, it's just carry on projects, carry on projects, carry on. Yes, but um, yes, sometimes you do read, you know, like bipolar, they say, um, over talkativeness, and you're like, wait, and do I talk a lot, you know? And you're like, oh no, you know. But <laughs> there are the additional symptoms that um, um, should be there. You read about depression, and they say uh, someone who likes to be alone, and you're like, wait, and do I love my private space, you know? And you're like, uh, but no. But then now when you read everything else, so it's yeah, it can happen that. If you're not too keen, you can end up diagnosing yourself with a number of things that you actually don't qualify for. Um, yeah, I remember even during my psychiatry rotation, like every time we'd learn something, you'd be like, yeah, so I think I have this because I sometimes <laughs> <laughs> talk too much and I sometimes have mania or something. And then you, the, the more you read, the more you discover, okay, no, I have one thing and that's just part yeah. of my personality it's not really um indicating indicative of an an illness what barriers are there for you as a provider to provide health care as well as for patients in accessing mental health care i think the biggest challenge we have and i think a lot of people will agree with me on this is uh stigma uh it's becoming less i think uh, more and more as the society gives attention to mental health so it's becoming a bit people are becoming a bit more receptive that i can actually go and receive mental health care and i'm not i'm not mad or i'm not this i mean it's part of being ill and i can actually be uh, treated for it um so stigma is usually our biggest 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 challenge and um I say stigma because it runs both ways. The one receiving and receiving care, of course, they receive more stigma. But also, us who give the the services also receive stigma. You know, like you'd be in a group of of doctors, and then they'd be like, eh, and the psychiatrist, you know, or even patients don't want to be seen by the psychiatrist, you know, because they want to see every other doctor, but. Uh-uh. My condition has not gotten that bad to see a psychiatrist, you know. So it's there's also that stigma within the professional field from the patients and now also now towards the patients from the community. Um, so stigma, stigma, stigma has been our biggest challenge. It impairs or rather it's an obstacle to a lot of people receiving mental health care. It delays care and also now, you know, with the delayed care now, Prognosis and outcome become poorer and poorer. Yes. Um, other than stigma, <laughs> the big challenge we have is resources. And resources from financial to human resource, that's a very big issue. We are now slightly 
if I'm not wrong, I think now we're just almost 150 psychiatrists, so they're about uh, in the country. And um, still not enough. I mean, the past, I think, maybe five years, it's grown exponentially, yes, but still not enough for what the country needs. Um, so that's, and also the psychologists, I think, are quite a number, but now also the government or institutions providing that platform for them to be able to offer that services. So they may be there in number, but on the ground or in this institution and uh, institutions and leaders taking up the, the role that they need to employ and have in place uh, spaces where psychologists can also come in to offer their services to the people who need them has also been a challenge. Uh, yes, so then financial... <laughs> Yeah, we know mental health receives, you know, like that, those breadcrumbs. When, once you're done with cutting the cake and then there are those breadcrumbs left, like the last piece, not even a slice, like the breadcrumbs of the cake. So uh, now that comes now, issues to do with medication. Sometimes, sometimes you know, it looks so bad sometimes when we face it every time. You have to, you give the patient a prescription and then you tell them to buy the medications outside the hospital. And these are basic, 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 basic medications. Basic medications, you know, I, I don't even know how, to, like the basic or the basicest medications. And you tell them to buy outside because they're not available in the facility. And now, um, unfortunately, that Kenyans as they are, they're like, no, these doctors want, those are their pharmacies. They want us to buy medications from there yet. I mean, we benefit in no way in, in, in trying to have our patients get get better. We don't even know who owns those pharmacies. <laughs> I don't even know them, you know, but the medications are not in the hospital. The government institutions trying to maybe channel those resources maybe to something they consider more important. So, yeah, financial, financial resources has also been a very big um, obstacle because we're still using basic basic medications medications that have been outdated like medications that you can't even hear about when you go for these international conferences they're talking about very new things which have better side effect profile which have a better potency better efficacy yet for you guys you're still struggling with first generation thinking about even the finance the financial part of it even for patients seeking healthcare, seeking mental health care. They're pretty expensive. Services are pretty expensive. I wanted to pivot into something. You mentioned um, psychologists and you're a, you're, a, you're a psychiatrist. Could you break it down what each of those people are is and what roles they play? Okay, so let's try and make it as simple as possible. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor uh, by training um, so there's a doctor who's trained like every other doctor but now specialized into mental health um, psychologists have done different um, I mean different universities offer different basic degrees um, but the psychologists that and there are different types of psychologists um, different type of psychologists but the ones we work with in mental health are the clinical, psychologists. So these ones have studied the human behavior and human brain and the clinical aspect of how to deal with like the mental health disorders, depression, bipolar, and how to deal with patients. 
Um, yes, so it's usually a science. Yes, clinical psychology. Yes, it's a science. Um, so it's offered as a science course. But uh, overall, when when it comes to the ground, most of the time, what the psychiatrists do is to uh, offer the mental health service in a space where we are also providing medication. Sometimes we provide supportive psychotherapy, which is basically just um, supportive, as we say. But then now when you need intensive uh, therapy, uh, the more organized, detailed therapy, then you go to uh, psychologists, sometimes also called psychotherapists. Yes, yeah, so they do more of the talk therapy, we do more of the medication. Yeah, but we all work together to offer mental health services. Yes. So to be clear, if I wanted to go for talk therapy, if I needed to work through, I don't know, family strife or whatever, then the mm-hmm. appropriate person to go to would be the psychologist, yes, not necessarily the psychiatrist. Yes. All right. Okay, enough about the profession. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> I think okay. we already touched on, on a bit about what drove you to, what drew you yeah. to... Yeah psychiatry we want to know other things about you so for example what's your favorite thing about your job the favorite thing about my job is learning something new every day you know it's just something new something off and then also just providing i mean to see someone come to you like in chains some come in chains and padlocks. Some come like extremely sad about maybe something that they've been going through in their life. And just now that whole transformation for them, I'll come and tell you that they have now been able to go back to work. I'm now, um, my family is now okay. And I'm, I'm in school, I'm performing well. Yes, that's just that sort of, it creates a sense of satisfaction that yes, there's actually a purpose for me and I'm actually doing something right and something good. Yes, that's the favorite part of my job. <laughs> Other than that, no, the opposite of that. <laughs> Other um, than that, is uh, learning Swahili. Yes, <laughs> being forced to learn Swahili by force. Okay, not that I don't know Swahili. I just my soil is just just pathetic. Let's just be honest, it's just pathetic. <laughs> but yeah, so slowly by slowly, I'm being forced to push limits and now get out of your comfort zone you know i've been used to like i'll do english if you can't understand i don't know we get an interpreter but then now you're first okay you have to get out of the call because you need to relay this information to the patient and you need to sometimes the translator will break the message so you need to know what exactly you're saying and the way you want it said so it so pushes you yeah yeah that's probably one of the best things about practicing medicine outside of Nairobi is more often than not, people may, they don't speak English, they speak Kiswahili, and sometimes they don't even speak Kiswahili, they speak their mother tongue. So you yeah. have to go so far as to learn a few important words in the, of the mother tongue of the area where, where you're practicing. But yeah, it's, it's always interesting to have to explain to people. That's when you really know that you don't know Kiswahili because you need to yeah. explain basic, you know, almost complex things and make them as basic as, as they can be. Switching now to 
What's something you find very challenging or that you dislike about your job? Having to talk Swahili. <laughs> um, okay, other than that, um, I'd say um, when we get, like, there are some very complex cases we get and you really want to help and you really, like, you know what should be done. Like, this is the ideal care that this patient requires and all. But there's literally nothing you can do. Like, your hands are literally tied. Point in case, um, children who come because of sexual abuse and they're coming from a place where the perpetrator is a family member. And it's usually very sad having to send them back home to the exact same space where that happened to go and still be with the exact same people, the same person. Because there's really nothing you can do there. There's barely like a, what would we call it, like a safe space where they can be kept and they can just have, you know, that I think that's usually the worst for me. I mean, particularly when it comes to kids, I don't know. Usually child psychiatry is really just a very sensitive um, issue. So I think for me, that's usually just the worst when you have to send them back home, you know, just going compound the matter even worse, probably even have a repeat offense or something like that. But there's really nothing you can do about it. You know, you can't carry them to your home and go with them. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's usually the worst for me. Yeah, I can I can see how that would be the worst thing. It's almost like you're doing nothing. Because what's the yeah. point of helping someone through only for them to go in the exact place? And for children, it's worse because they don't have the language or the, you know, or the means to leave if a 10 year old can't leave, if they can even express what has happened. But yeah, that's really sad. As we come to the close, what's been your biggest, something you're really proud of that you've done so far in your career? I know you're still young in your career, but you're much older than most of us because you started your career younger than a lot of us. So what's been something that you're super proud of? I think I can say self-growth because you see when you start off career-wise, I mean, school will teach you, your your patients will teach you as you go by. But who you are as an individual, no one will teach you that it's you who has to want to, you know, grow, want to change, want to better this and this about uh, yourself in, what, in different aspects of your life. So I would say self-growth the most. Um, and then now with that, you see now it's what now pushes you now to want to maybe further something in your career, maybe further something uh, within your personal space and what you can do for your loved ones or the people around you. Yeah, and also starting, (laughs) been trying to start something, but it's been a bit challenging, particularly with the um, government requirements and all that, but now also starting to uh, set up a... um, sort of an NGO and stuff to be able to work with people who have mental health issues. So, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd see that. Yeah, I'm proud of Okay. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of you too. Um, you've gone into the last question, actually, which is, I asked this to all my guests, but what does the future look like for you? And also, what does the future ideally look like for the mental health space in Kenya by your standards? The mental health space, I think... I mean, everyone can agree 
thanks to COVID, I mean, COVID brought a lot of negative things, but thanks to COVID, COVID brought out the importance of mental health. It brought out, ment- it's really helped, you know, like jumpstart what probably a lot of people had been ignoring. Um, so it's, I think it's just uphill from now. It, there is more awareness now, so I think there'll be more um, funding. Also, there'll be more interest uh, when it comes to people who are who want to seek help. Also, professionals getting into mental health and not just looking at it as, you know, that reserve for. Okay, I didn't make it to these other careers, or I didn't make it to OBS, I didn't make it to health. So let me go to psychiatry. No, it's now becoming more. Um, Okay, there's an importance uh, uh, when it comes to this. So, it's 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 in my opinion, it's nothing but uphill from here. Um, for myself, as again the yeah, just projects here and there. My main one is the NGO. I don't like to give myself a lot of pressure because when you do that, it, everything just looks too big and too overwhelming and. Uh, then you just back down on everything. So I'd rather take it um, a step at a time. What what works, we work with it, and then move from there as we grow. I'll look for you in a couple of years and we <laughs> interview you to see where the NGO has gone. <laughs> Twitter yes. is having this yes. thing where they're like, tweet your things into existence. So people are tweeting like, I want to, I will have this big thing or I will act in this yes. big thing. So I will come back to you in a couple of years and I know you'll have your NGO up and running. <laughs> yes, and that's very important for our, for each one of us, each one of us in different aspects. Um, that's how even goals work you know so it also reminds you when i was young i had this vision where have i reached with it have i changed course have i maybe gotten new dreams or am i lagging behind is it something i need to pick up on so it also helps to keep you in check i'm actually an advocate for that twitter trend thing that is going on i'm not so much on twitter but i'm an advocate for whatever that twitter thing trend is going on because it helps it helps remind you of you know your goals and your dreams now are not they are valid for a reason. So when you don't pick them up, why? What changed? And I mean, yeah, is it something you can come back to? We're having a course that's coming up soon also. So in self-growth and uh, uh, self-awareness and self-growth and particularly for people who felt stuck uh, in their course of life, maybe for whatever reason and just need to maybe find themselves, forgive themselves about something that maybe they've been holding on to for a while or um, also grow and protect their 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 growth. You know, sometimes you grow and then something happens and you crumble back down. So, yes, it's coming soon. I think by the end of this month, you should be having more details. I love to hear it. So, on that note, before we close, where can listeners find you, and where will we be able to find this course? Because it's something I'm interested in, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners would want to to have a look at it. Okay, so I have my Facebook page. It's called The Mental Sphere, Sphere Like a Globe. Uh, mostly that's where we post our stuff. Also, YouTube channel, but YouTube, we barely post things there. But yes, uh, Mental Sphere. Yes, that's where they can find information. For those who would probably want consultations, we do mostly online consultations now with <laughs> the advent of COVID. But we also... Uh, for those who want physical consultations within and are within Nairobi, can probably contact me personally, and then we'll be able to 
through the mental sphere page, you'll be able to, I would be able to respond and book an appointment. That was the conversation I had with Nyamute. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed reminiscing about my internship, which I, I enjoyed my internship as much as one can enjoy internship. Um, internship is uh, gruesome, but also important. You can reach out to Dr. Nyamute through her Facebook page, which I will leave the link in the show notes. Please do reach out to her if you would like to use her services. And also remember to follow us on Twitter at STEM from Africa, on Instagram at STEMing from Africa. And remember to fill in the contact form and share it with your friends who you think would be interesting. That's it for this week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and see you next time. That will be all for this episode of Stemming from Africa. I hope you have a great weekend and I hope to see and hear from you next Friday.